Welcome to the Somatic Gospel Podcast. In this show, we explore the powerful intersection of faith and personal growth. Our focus is on helping listeners achieve greater awareness, healing, and transformation through the blending of somatic experiencing, polyvagal theory, psychology, neurology, nervous system healing, and emotional intelligence in relation to the gospel. We believe that by bringing these diverse approaches together, we can offer a unique and powerful way to support the global body of Christ in its journey towards greater health and wholeness. Join us as we delve into the deepest questions of faith and explore the many ways in which we can all grow and evolve as individuals and as a community. So let's get started. Good morning, everyone. This is your host and my co-host. We're we're uh <laughs> I'm experiencing a lot of joy right now in the Holy yes. Ghost. <laughs> a little bit blanked out. My heart is full with grace and the presence. This is the Somatic Gospel podcast. And uh in usual fashion, we're we're just gonna flow. And something happened over the last two weeks in terms of what God has been speaking to me about in his thoughts. So about maybe a week ago or two weeks ago, I listened to a message from Bill Vanderbush. And, you know, he quoted Psalm 139. And I've read this probably dozens of times in my life. Um, Pro-life um, people use this Psalm a lot when it comes to arguing for the the sanctity of life and and babies um but i missed this one part in the psalm and when he spoke it and he just quoted it it impacted my heart so deeply that i literally have not stopped thinking about it i'm going to read something that i wrote last night or actually a little bit last night and this morning about the thoughts of god in relation to Psalm 139. I wrote it on my iPhone notes, so check this out. In Psalm 139, 17, 18, David says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God's precious thoughts toward us are more than the sand. So I googled how many grains of sand <laughs> there are on earth. According to scientists, scientists, there are roughly 7.5 sextillion grains of sand on earth. What? If you counted night and day with no sleep, only 1 million of God's thoughts towards you, and it took you one second to count each number, it would take 12 straight days. One billion thoughts would take 32 years, just counting, not even thinking the thoughts. A trillion thoughts would take you 32,000 years. A quadrillion thoughts would take 32 million years, okay? A bro. quintillion. Hold on, I gotta keep going because I wrote. I might just be thing. blown, bro. A quintillion thoughts would take you thirty-two 
billion years. A sextillion thoughts would take you 32 trillion years to count. Now, times 32 trillion by 7.5 sextillion, that's 242 trillion years it would take for you to count the sum of God's precious thoughts towards you night and day 24-7, nonstop with no breaks at a rate of one thought per second. This isn't including the sand on the bottom of the ocean floor, just the sand on the beaches of the world. Now, your brain is a three-pound universe that processes 70,000 thoughts each day using one billion neurons that connect at more than 500 trillion points through synapses that travel 300 miles an hour. The signals that travel through these interconnected neurons form the basis of memories, thoughts, and feelings. Now per year, at 70,000 thoughts a day, you think roughly around 25,550,000 thoughts in one year. Now let's say every thought is only a precious thought of God towards you that you think in a whole entire year. At the rate of 25,550,000 thoughts per year times 240 trillion years, you would have thought six decillion, 132 nonillion thoughts of God towards you. The Bible says to be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. <laughs> All right. Now, I'm not done. Theologians, they've been in an intellectual member measuring contest to be, you know. Two times I spilled my coffee. That's fine. Yeah, I'm going to be a little conservative and not use the word that I actually wrote in my notes. But they've been in a member measuring contest for thousands of years, if you know what I mean. All right. And they haven't even scratched the surface of theology of God's thoughts. So instead of making, instead of God making us try to figure him out at the impossible rate of 24 seven thinking for 240 trillion years and thinking only his thoughts, he wrapped himself in human flesh and communicated to us Mm. the only thought he wants us to know. And that thought is the person of Jesus Christ, his word made flesh. When you think about the value of humanity, the value of mankind and what man is, let's take a look at just two thoughts from Job and David. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him? Job 7, 17. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Now I'm going to blow your mind. And I don't have the math on this because I just stopped at the inconceivable number of six decillion, okay? Yeah. But there are approximately 8 billion people living on the earth right now. So you would have to times 7.5 sextillion times 8 billion to summarize the thoughts of God for every existing person on earth right now. I don't even think there's a calculator big enough to do that unless it's some supercomputer in Silicon Valley. There's a calculator online. I just stopped. I was like, you know what? I'm done. But 
insane, bro. You, you know what fascinates me about going down this incredible rabbit hole is we know nothing. Wow. We know nothing. And we strut around in our arrogant little books and with our arrogant small ant minds thinking we know God. But you know what is so wise about the God of the universe whose thoughts we can't even fathom is that instead of sending us on some impossible quest of search for knowledge, he he communicates himself in the touch of the person of Jesus Christ. I like the way the mirror tra translates it in First John. Look what he says here. <laughs> it's 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 just so mind blowing. But he says, um, "Hold on, let me find it." I'll just read it from the top. John 1.1. 1, 1. The Logos is the source. Everything commences in him. The initial reports concerning him that have reached our ears and which we indeed bore witness to with our own eyes to the point that we became irresistibly attracted now captivates our gaze. In him, we witnessed tangible life in its most articulate form. <laughs> the logos, the word, the word touch. And, 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 you know, it's that which we have seen, that which we have heard. That's, and he says, that which we have handled concerning the word of life. In, other, in another translation, the word touch is the Greek word salo. And it's to touch the string of a musical instrument, resonate. And so there's a resonance that God communicates in Jesus Christ about humanity. You know, so much of, uh, of theology is about who's God, what's God, hmm, God, 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 God. But we miss the incarnation, which, which reveals God, but it reveals God as man. Fully God and fully man. Jesus Christ is also a revelation of our humanity. Yes. Not just a revelation of God. The blueprint of, of our image. The blueprint, the blueprint design. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, what is the somatic gospel context, the Joshua trainings, this podcast, the conversations that flow between my best friend and I, it's wanting to communicate this. He says here in verse two, the same life that was face to face with the father from the beginning has now dawned on us. The infinite life of the Father became visible before our eyes in a human person. It's, and, and you, you think like, wow, just 7.56 sextrillion thoughts per person. We, it, it would take us 240 trillion years to only count, only count, not even think the actual thoughts, which takes longer than a second. Per second, it'd take 240 trillion years just to count them. And here, the God of that incredible, immense 
unfathomability communicates everything he wants to tell us in the person and wow. everything that he was and everything that he is and, and the way that he dealt with people and his compassion and his lowliness, his meekness, his gentleness, his, his, his loving of his enemies, his forgiving of people, his healing, his compassion. I mean, yeah, I love what Hebrews 1 says. It says, in the past, God spoke to the prophets, but now, this is Hebrews 1, 3, but now uh, he has spoken through his son, Jesus, who is the, some versions say, he's the perfect expression of the radiance of God's glory. It's, it's <laughs> I'm putting it in my own words, not exactly, but that, oh. that Jesus said over and over, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And what a lot of people, I want to touch on this for a second, because a lot of Christians get caught up in two things. They can, there's a, there's a ditch to fall into Marsonianism, which is that it's a different God of the old Testament. And some people say, Oh, well, it was, it was actually the devil. Like who we see the God of the old Testament is, is actually the devil. And that Jesus is like the true God. So they still hold that Jesus being God, but they don't see him as the manifested God of the old Testament. And Thinking this stuff is, it's actually really important because we miss out on the faithfulness and the covenant keeping God. If we don't see that God is the same God of the Old Testament as the new, we miss out on the thousands of years of covenant and redemption. And so any of the violence that we may see, we can say, oh, well, that's his nature. And that's like, how do we, we can't divorce that. Like some people might go to the extreme and say that he's a God of wrath or he's a God of murder. Or he's a God of all of these things. But what I see is a God who's doing, willing to do whatever it takes necessary in order to redeem his creation and willing to do whatever it takes to keep his word. It doesn't mean that was his nature. Let's take, right. I, I like thinking about um, the story of John the Baptist with King Herod, you know, King Herod was actually, he didn't want to kill John the Baptist, but he got caught in his words and he was willing, he was more willing to uphold his honor and his word than to do something he didn't want to do. So when his, I don't remember if it was his daughter or his, it was one of his like wife's daughters, essentially. So I don't know if it was his daughter or his daughter, his stepdaughter or whoever comes to him, pretty much seduces him and he goes, I'll give you whatever you want. And she goes, I want the head of John the Baptist. And he goes, well, I don't want to do this, but I gave you my word that I'll give you whatever it is that you want. And so he takes John the Baptist's head. And I, I see that God is the same way in the sense of keeping his word. Like, it's not that he wanted to just kill people, but he gave his word to one, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He, he gave his word to these guys and he gave his word to Adam and Eve in the very beginning that I'm going to redeem humanity. And so we can look at it as if, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to circle back to what you're saying, because it's so important to see Jesus as the perfect expression of God, that up until that point, God had to do what it took to protect humanity so that he could come in the flesh so that he could reveal perfectly his nature and who he is. So that once again, Eden and 
and man could be reunited so that God and man could be reunited. And if we don't see that picture, then our thoughts about God will be not God's thoughts. <laughs> you know, we won't see who God truly is because we'll be so focused on this old Testament picture with distortions rather than Jesus being the true expression of the nature of the father. And that's important when we talk about things like this, about what are God's thoughts about me? Because we could think that God's wrathful towards me or God's, it's easy to go down that path. uh, If we don't hold to Jesus being the perfect expression of the nature of God, like he is God in the flesh. And, um, it's, it's vitally important to see that. Well, David, David classifies the type of thought that God has, has Mm -hmm. to and he says that they're precious thoughts. So again, in your lifetime, you, you cannot even contain or embody the sum of god's precious Precious thoughts thoughts towards you that's crazy and so why am i talking about this this has been rocking my heart i mean when i sit and i really meditate on it and when in conversations with my wife i literally well up with tears come on because i'm like man i spent so many years thinking that he Mm. was angry yeah. Thinking that he was petulant and, you know, vengeful, it, it, you know, like in the, in the, in the, okay, I'm going to get you back kind of way, like revenge, mm. like human revenge, you know, like, yeah, you know, oh, you did it to me. Well, I'm going to do it to you kind of thing. And, <clears throat> you know, what's interesting, you know, Paul tells us, look, don't take vengeance. It's the yeah. Lord's love your enemies. He's reiterating Jesus. So how does Jesus love his enemies? Well, while they're killing him and crucifying him on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And if God had a chance to really put his enemies in his place, it certainly would have been after the resurrection. When he's in his glorified body, he could have commanded legions of angels to slaughter the entire Roman Empire and all the Pharisees and the entire crowd of Jews that called for his murder, but he didn't. Yeah. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's yeah. a level of blindness to their murder of God that they don't even realize. They're unconscious. They're, you get it? You see it? Absolutely. They don't even know. Yes, they know that they're killing someone. Yeah, they know the action, but they don't really know why they're doing it. They don't understand the depth of what they're actually fully really doing. And, and so like I brought, I bring this up in the conversation about God's thoughts towards us because I really want to ground people in our work is literally about digging through the scriptures, seeing the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, the logos, which means logic in Greek, it's the logic of God, his thoughts. So hmm, what are what's God's logic? Jesus Christ. That's his logic. 
And so we, we want to take as much as we can get <laughs> and communicate the precious thoughts of God to you in our trainings and in all the stuff that we're creating to serve and love people who are in pain, who are suffering from trauma, who are suffering from um, hindered relationships and, and self, um, self-sabotage patterns, right? Because we know that when your mind begins to align with God's mind about you, and then it starts hitting your body, your somatics, that means your nervous system starts to regulate and get healed. Your trauma starts getting freed up from your body. And instead of your body keeping the score of your past traumas, you're now setting up your body to keep the score of wholeness experiences with God. Yeah. Where, and it, <laughs> you get what I mean? And that yeah. will frame up how you then live from that place, not from the pain and the unconscious patterns that emerge from unresolved trauma and pain and limiting beliefs that are not the precious thoughts of God towards you that you can't even count the sum of. Yeah. And also, you know, part of the reason why this is so important and the impact it's made on my life, bro, is like moving, getting out of the past and into the present. Because oftentimes what we do is the trauma we have, you know, we'll, we'll take the past and we'll chuck it into the future. And, and our past will oftentimes become the, a, a louder prof, prophetic voice than the Lord's voice. And, um, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Dude, good. Yeah. And it's, but it's so true. You know, it's it, like our past prophesies rather than the Lord prophesying. And, and what's amazing and what I've seen is, well, let me back up. When that happens, we don't, we're not living in possibility. We're not living in discovery. And so what I see oftentimes and even with what I experienced in my own past was that those limiting beliefs were my own past and my own trauma that actually limited God, that limited what he, how he wanted to be with me, how he wanted to work with me, what the, 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 the ability that he even had to provide for me, to be a good father for me, to be everything that he claims because I couldn't see past my own trauma which is what you're talking about. It's like, I just thought that God was this mad, vengeful, angry God. And that limits our experience of his love. It really does because that trauma that gets stored in the body, it, it stops the experience because the nervous system is in some sort of state of fight, flight response. So I see a lot of people struggling with like, why can't I experience God? Why can't I experience his blessings? Why can't I da, 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 da. And there is a, a level of, this is maybe another conversation, but there is an aspect, I don't want to say level, but there is an aspect of faith that is something that moves through our body. It's, it's not just a mental ascent. I heard this analogy about what faith is that, um, if we, if we're sitting watching a man 
going from one building to another on a tightrope and he has a wheelbarrow and he's going from one building to the next building on a tightrope, like way up in the sky. And he goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Uh, and he does it seamlessly, effortlessly, just back and forth. But then he like 30 minutes after he's doing it back and forth, he stops and he goes, how many of you guys believe that I could do this again? And the whole crowd, you can imagine, like, just being in the crowd. And everyone's like, yeah, you can do it again. He goes, all right, who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow? Like, the person who actually gets in the wheelbarrow is the one who has faith, you know, mm. is the one who actually has trust that this guy can take me mm. from one side to the other. There's That's really good. Yeah. And so th there, <clears throat> there, there's this aspect of fear will hold back somebody from getting up there which in that case i mean that's kind of an extreme case of like most people would probably say no because the fear would be too much but we're talking about a loving a loving god and so what is it that actually holds us back from like getting in the wheelbarrow to allow god to carry us is the is fear is not knowing who he really is and Sometimes that uh, most of the time that fear is some sort of trauma response, as we talk about often. And so undoing the trauma in my body, if my if my nervous system shuts me down, how do I get in a wheelbarrow? But but if I don't have those thoughts about the Lord, you know, if I don't have the thoughts about who he is, that I'm safe with him, that he's he's got my back, he's for me then I won't ever get in the wheelbarrow and therefore experience God's carrying grace. It doesn't mean he's not there. It doesn't mean he hasn't given it to me. It doesn't mean he's not willing. It means there's things stuck in my body that are limiting my own experience of God. And sometimes don't get me wrong. Sometimes there's, there's a times when God just sovereignly touches people, but I'm talking more on a daily basis rather than just like a sovereign touch where God just, boom, hit somebody with his presence and his power and they're, they're transformed. That happens. I've had moments like that in my life, but I'm talking about a renewal for a daily living and for a living as a manifested son of God is what it talks about in Romans eight, um, a mature, a mature son. And so mm -hmm. along these lines, it's so important to get free from the, the, the past traumas that keep us in those cycles and patterns of fear. Um, man, this is such a good conversation because, because our thought life is so powerful. I'm still just blown away at the numbers, bro. I'm sitting here. Like, I don't even know I'm having thoughts now, but like his thoughts are beyond what I can even think. And and they're all precious towards me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't think I, I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling you this and I'm not building an entire theology of a Psalm 139, but dude, I mean, you do the math. I don't think there is one thought that is not precious mm. towards any person because the sum of God, God's thoughts outlives wow. the person. By, yeah, even, by, by even an innumerable amount of, amount of years. Again, yeah. and, and I'm talking about if only 
The only thing you do is you literally just sit there and you count 24-7 with no breaks or other thoughts in between counting the thoughts of God. That it would take 24, I mean, 240 trillion years of counting per second. I mean, that's for, that's for a human, but we're talking about God. Like he, he may, he just very, very well may have the capacity to have all of those thoughts in one moment. Of course he's God. He's right? God. He's in, like he's, he doesn't have the limitation of a human body, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Which is why I think, okay. So, you know, okay. We're, we're you know, we're rabbit trails. It's fine. But okay. Romans um, talks about how, um, the power of God and his, 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 his power and his nature is revealed in, in creation, right? Like that no one's without excuse to yeah. disbelieve that there's a God because God reveals an aspect of himself via nature. So I think, Hey, if you're a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, but you believe in God, period. It would behoove you in a in a really awesome way to study science, yeah, and see. Like, I feel like science is so amazing because it reveals how incredibly transcendent and beyond our comprehension God really is. Because when you start like getting into the fine details and the nitty gritty of like scientific facts, you're just like, my mind is absolutely blown away. I cannot mm-hmm. fathom the incredible intelligence of the universe, which is God. <laughs> like I can't, but then you yeah. like, so then you think about we're, we're just, we're as humans in our limited capacity, only in the place of discovery. We don't really know how it all works. Like I, I can't just like make a piece of bacon out of thin air. I need something else to like clone it or whatever. Right. Like the best, yeah. you, you know, all science is proving is that we know how to copy. Okay, like we're really good at copying and there's someone else who made the blueprint. Right. And that's the architect of the universe. It's God. Yeah, that's good. Like, but then like, again, I I really I really want to interweave this idea of his thoughts toward us. Imagine the amount of not just the thoughts that God thinks Mm -hmm. like passively. But the active, logical, intellectual, mathematical framework for creating the universe, imagine how much of God's intellectual prowess goes into creating the universe, creating the human body, which is an absolutely fascinating organic machine, creating um, a, a cosmos that's like fine-tuned to perfection right you think about like the earth if it moves like an inch away from the sun it'll freeze to death we all freeze to death or if it moves like an inch closer to the sun we all basically will be in a big microwave (laughs) like that level of fine-tuning and then he says what is man that your mind is full of man wow he That's literally incredible. made the universe because he loves us. Wow. He made us a big, beautiful universe and an earth to enjoy because he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Come he on. loves us so much beyond. We can't even contain. You know, it says that the heavens can't even contain God. Our, our little tiny fist-sized hearts 
can't contain the fullness of his love. You know, we really experience it in smidgens. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way we'd I explode love- and disintegrate into nothingness. I okay. Love- <laughs> says, he says, uh, we're, we're a little two, two volt fuse in God's 10 billion volts of electricity. You know, it's like, we can't, we literally don't even have the capacity to understand or experience the depths of love that the Lord has for us. And that like, the times, bro, like when I have had encounters with like the fear of God, you know, because that's it's a thing. But but it's his love that is so overwhelmingly powerful that it's like. Imagine going to the the power plant and like like touching like have you ever been shocked by electricity? Oh, yeah. 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 It's like that, bro. I mean, literally, I've had encounters with the Lord where it felt like I was being electrocuted, you know? and and buzzing and vibrating under under his his love and it's scary in the sense of like you are so powerful but yet your love is for me like and your your thoughts are towards me and they're precious and they're good and like to think that this powerful being isn't against me but he's towards me and his thoughts are precious that's powerful. That's like, like, I don't even know what to do with that. No. I don't even have the capacity to try to wrap my mind around it. And I think that's kind of like touching on what you talk about with the theological world and theologians and scholars is that it's almost like trying to wrap our mind around it when we can't. And, and not that we, sh- not that we, ought to give up and like not study. I mean, I think studying is great because it leads us into these kinds of conversations Mm -hmm. and it's great. But if the, if the end of our study isn't to fall more in love with who God is and, and our own humanity in him, like who he's created us to be, if it's just to, to have knowledge, then that just puffs up. And, and we see that a lot, I think, in the sectarianism of our faith. And it's, it's sad because his thoughts towards all of us are precious. And yet we're not even aligned with that with one another. Like, okay, that's his thoughts towards me. Now, how often do I have thoughts towards you that are precious or my, my other brothers and sisters? You know what I mean? Like, I, do, I have a lot of affectionate thoughts towards you because I, I love you dearly, but... <laughs> but I'm just saying in general, it's like not all of my thoughts, not everything that runs through my consciousness all the time towards people is precious. And yet absolutely, that's God's consciousness. Like mm-hmm. I was even thinking about, you know, what we talk about a lot is how thoughts lead to um, feelings, feelings, right. And feelings will lead to an action. Yep. So there's the facts, there's the interpretations, then there's the, kind of the payoff that I get from it or the action that I'll take from it. So uh, if God has these thoughts, then what are his actions? What are his feelings and what are his actions? Like, and, and that's where Jesus being the logic and the thoughts of God is so powerful because his, his action was shown on the cross and it's shown in how he, 
chases us, how he pursues us, how he even disciplines us, how he, you know, and discipline doesn't necessarily do with punishment. It means how he teaches us and, and, and corrects us and, and brings us into relationship with him. Uh, his goal is not disconnection and discipline. You know, his goal is to connect us with his heart. And sometimes that can feel like, not like punishment, but again, if it, it depends on how we filter everything. If we have trauma that filters everything as being punishment or, or any kind of assertiveness as aggression, then it hinders our ability to connect with God. It doesn't hinder his ability to connect with us and his ability to teach us and lead us and shepherd us into those things. Like he shepherded me into being able to hear him because he's a good father. He fathered me into it. So his goal is for that. But the quicker that we can support people to get to that place of being able to hear, you know, the Lord told me one time, he said, I've had many things to tell you, but you haven't been able to hear it. And I did little, did I know that that was actually something he told the disciples. I literally had no idea that was a verse. And then I Googled it, you know, did Jesus say this? It, it's literally a verse that he's talking to the disciples. Mm -hmm. He said, I have many things to tell you, but you haven't been able to hear it yet. And so part of thinking thoughts is, you know, our listening. And that's what we're talking about with like the trauma work. Trauma puts our heart in a place of listening. And if we can get still enough for a moment, get present enough. And I say, I don't even want to say get present enough, just get present to where we can hear his thoughts. Mm -hmm. We can hear all of his precious thoughts towards us. What does that do? <laughs> you know, what does that do for our own heart, our own, our own actions, our own ability to love other people? Absolutely. Um, I think the, 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 the distinction and what we're going to be bringing to the table with these trainings is that they're not merely mechanical, though there's elements to it, like the awareness practices that we do, yeah. <clears throat> the breathing exercises, you know, anyone can do that. That's very mechanical. But we want the, the prophetic reality of God's precious thoughts towards us. Yeah, to be in to be a prominent element in yeah. the rooms, right, and in the sessions, because, like you're saying, that silence, that inner silence, when we know, be still and know that I am God. That's what he he says. Be still, right? Um, it leads us besides the still waters. He restores us he restores our soul and so that is a great template for the prophetic is god is an edifier and he's been one since the beginning he is not thanos no like look at every villain right and like it's sad that western evangelicalism paints god as if he were a marvel villain what happens when marvel villains get power or get the you know the idea of ultimate power they snap their finger and they destroy the universe yeah. that's what they do but that's not what the creator does 
he creates the universe. And then when he sees the universe descend into its own self-corruption um, via Adam, he goes, you know what? I'm going to go in there and I'm going to recreate it. Mm. He's committed to building. He's committed to creating. He's committed to, right? So when you look at the prophetic word, especially within the New Testament, like the, the, well, Jesus is the ultimate prophetic word of God's redemption. Yes. But New Testament prophetic utterances, and talking about more gifts, is for edification, exhortation, and encouragement. Mm -hmm. He's always calling forth things that are not as though they are. And so maybe we have someone in front of us who, who is not able to embody the precious thoughts of God because their trauma is getting in the way of it. And what we do in the work is we prophesy the things that are not in their nervous system as though they are, but they really are in God's belief, in God's mind. They really are true. They're objective yeah. truth. Um, and so the idea is to get the objective, precious thoughts of God existing within your body and your mind and your soul, impacting the fullness of your being, your spirit, soul, and body. Yeah. I, I want to touch on that. You know what I mean? Where like those, the words, the thoughts of God, those words are planted in you and they become alive in you. And then what are you? Uh, Psalm 1. You're a tree of righteousness planted beside the waters. Come on. <laughs> Come on yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to I touch on the mind for a moment because science is discovering really, and a lot, of, a lot of people who are in therapy work now, any kind of psychological work. Transformational work, yeah. Yeah, and anything. We understand that... Uh, really it's no longer called just the mind and the body but it's really the mind body that there's mm. such there's such a connection yeah and that's essentially what we're talking about is re is is connecting the heart and the mind body and connecting us to the new creation reality of 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 god of our being that when we're baptized into christ we become a new creation and so we're talking about putting off the deeds or that that word deed could really be like record the records of the flesh the the, the body keeps the score the record of my trauma we're putting that off and we're putting on the new man and there's this um i lost my train of thought but that's really the work that we're talking about is how how do we put off the old man and how do we put on the new man? And I want to speak into these kind of four realms of thought as we're talking about God's thoughts, that there's, there's four, four realms of thought. And there's God's thoughts, which is, the, I would say, like I, the highest realm of thought, essentially, which is what we're talking about. It's all of these precious thoughts. And there's my thoughts. And then there's your thoughts about me. So there's God's thoughts about me. There's my thoughts about me. There's your thoughts about me. And transformation is when my thoughts and God's thoughts align. And, 
and I can ignore other people's thoughts about me. Like they just fall off. They don't matter anymore. And I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, I, I can't afford to have a thought about myself that God doesn't have. I can't, I can't afford that Come because on. what it, what it produces. Come on. And, uh, oh, and I do just this, com- I might, I might, I'm just getting wrecked, bro, because I recognize like just how much that my thought life isn't in line at times. Like I notice it, you know, I'm not, I don't feel condemned about it. I'm just noticing like there's so much more for me to dive into with seeing myself the way that the Lord sees me and seeing others the way the Lord sees me. And um, I really... I'm, I'm just excited because it means that from here I get to grow in that, you know, and I, I really am excited to get my subconscious mind aligned with what God thinks. Hmm, man, <laughs> I, I, I really feel complete. I feel like there's nothing else to add. Um, I think I feel, I feel satisfied with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel and good I think, about- I think I want to create space for people. Hey, like if you're listening to this and if you've gotten to this part and this point in this episode, I I want to encourage you to take this episode with you and really meditate on it. And if you have time now, once we, we're done, take take some time to really listen. Take some time to, what are your thoughts about me? Your, 7.5 sextillion inconceivably unfathomable thoughts that are precious towards me, right? And let him speak to you. He, he, he can speak to you through the Bible, right? He can speak to you by the Holy Spirit in your heart. God's not dead. God's not a, you know, an idol or a statue. He's alive. He's the true and living God. So he can speak to us through our mind in the Bible, but also in our hearts, the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. Could you imagine living in a house with somebody you don't talk to? Can you imagine that? And they don't talk to you. It's just incredible how there's these ideas out there where it's like literal God lives in you, right? But you can't hear him talk except through the Bible. I mean, he lives in me. Can you imagine living in a house with somebody you don't talk to at all? It's not cool. His name is the word. So you think his name is the word. The word lives in us and he's just going to shut up the moment he gets in us. Like, right. I don't think (laughs) the word, (laughs) you you might as well just call him the mute if that's the case. All right. (laughs) I mean, anyways, uh, I'm not going to, the point is if you don't have time after the, after the episode, carve out some time, turn off the phone, disconnect from the distractions. And sit and listen and receive, right? Be in a place of reorienting your whole framework is that you you can't outlive God's precious thoughts towards you, even if you live to 100. I mean, it would take you 240 trillion years counting one second per thought 
nonstop, 24-7, no breaks in between, no other thoughts, only the precious thoughts of God for you to actually get through all of them. And, and you know what? The crazy thing is, is that David says that it's more than the sand. So I may be wrong in my estimation. I'm only using, you know, math to kind of give you an idea. But David says that it's more than that. Well, how much more, David? We don't know. Could be a million times more. Which again, is another inconceivable <laughs> amount of thoughts. Right? Uh, please subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Somatic Gospel. Connect with us. Reach out to us. We're available. We love you guys. We do prayer requests, whatever it is. We're really here to serve and love people and to support them in their journey towards embodiment. And the reason we want that is so when you are able to embody this deeper, what happens is that the relationships that are important to you in your life, they begin to experience flourishing because you're bringing life to them by embodying the way of Jesus. Um, not just, you know, thoughts about God, but you're literally embodying his thoughts towards you, about you, in you. And then when you're able to have that, guess what? You get to give that away to other people and tell them God's precious thoughts towards them. And that's really the template for relational flourishing. Jesus tells the disciples, he says, you're already clean by the word that I've spoken to you. I made you clean. And I think that there's some power behind that. If we make a commitment to only communicate the precious thoughts of God to everyone around us, I promise you, you will increase the value of those relationships at a level that you just never thought possible. And uh, you'll, you'll start seeing some really powerful things in your life. Peace out. Love you. Love you guys. You have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Somatic Gospel Podcast. We hope that you found the conversation valuable and that you feel inspired to continue your own journey towards greater awareness, healing, and transformation. Remember, you don't have to navigate this path alone. We are here to support you every step of the way, so be sure to tune in to our next episode where we will be exploring Dreaming with God. Until then, may you be blessed in your own unique journey towards wholeness, and may you continue to be a blessing to those around you. Peace out.